Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Amen. So what series have we been doing? We had the interlude of the play. So what series have we been doing? Maturity. And what's the verse that Johannes read? Ooh. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Turn to Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews. The beginning of that verse says, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So flip back to chapter 5, and I just want to read from verse 11. The writer of Hebrews writes about this. Now, he's been talking about Jesus as the great high priest. He says, about this, we have much to say, but it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Have we become dull of hearing? For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. So he's telling the people, you're not where you ought to be. But then he goes on and gives the solution in verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. He's not saying forget that. He's saying move on. Is this affecting, changing, transforming your heart, your mind, your actions? Or are you just sitting in that nice little fuzzy huddle and not moving on in what God is saying we should be doing? We all have moments of doubt. We all have moments of unbelief, but we don't live in that. We take the truth and we allow it to catapult us into changed lifestyles, changed attitudes, changed actions. Are we there or are we dull of hearing? Turn over now to chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do not neglect to meet together. It takes at least two people to meet together. It may be friends, it might be marriage, it might be everyday questions, it might be prayer meeting, it might be home group. It might be here, this gathering. And this is where I want to focus. This gathering, do not neglect. And we have to ask the question, is church really necessary? It's out there. Sam Albury, incredible man, but in his book, Why Bother With Church, recently written, 
Why bother with church and other questions about why you need it and why it needs you, says this one statement. People do not enter a church. The church enters a building. So I have to rephrase that question and say, is this meeting really necessary? People, you read, people say, ah, going into a garage doesn't make you a car. But if you don't go into that garage, you will become broken down. You'll become battered by the storms of life and you will not be restored. So we all say, yes, of course church is important. Lady, how can you say that? I'm here and maybe I'm not speaking to you. But I have to ask, how is this gathering in our list of priorities? In our attendance? Or is it sort of, you know, we're so busy and that's true. But I have to ask, where is this gathering in your priority? Where is it? Be honest and frank with yourself. And for those people who are not here, and I'm not talking necessarily, yeah, those people who are not here, we ask questions like, well, the time doesn't suit me. I'm not particularly, the, the worship's not particularly my style. The preacher is boring. So why should I come? I'm a Christian. I love this. Now, Babylon B. If you don't know Babylon B, it is Christian. But he, they, it's a group of young Christian men, and they say stuff, it sounds irreverent. And so you've got to read it with a pinch of salt. But what he's doing is he's saying, he's ticking, they're ticking at our religiosity. So it's quite offensive sometimes, but it's very good to follow. Makes you look at yourself. And on Friday night, can you believe it? This is what Babylon Bees tweets. Man refuses to join local gym. Claims he's just part of the universal gym. Got it? I'm a Christian. I don't need church. I'm part of the universal church. Do we say that? We hear it, don't we? <laughs> so I have to ask another question. Whose idea is it to meet regularly? God's. Seriously? Yeah, God's idea. We are created, we sang it this morning, out of community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They exist in perfect community. They're meeting together all the time. And they say to us, come, let's create man and let them enjoy the sense of community. So we're created out of community. And we can go through all the Bible, but let's go to Exodus because that's where we've just been. And in Exodus, God creates, builds creates his nation and he sets in place stuff for the nation and as we've spoken in this context and go back and read listen to the preachers if you need to what he does with a nation in the old testament he does with us individually and he says the three things many things but three things that i want to highlight he says there's only one god one god you can only worship one god then he sets up a tabernacle, which later the day, uh, Solomon builds the temple, but he establishes a tabernacle where regular gathering takes place, morning and night. 
weekly, monthly. And he established feasts. And everyone must gather for that feast. Everyone. A problem arose in 586 BC where the temple is destroyed. So what did the nation of Jews do? They have no temple. They have no priests. The priests are dispersed, killed, many of them. But they have the law. They have the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. And they start the synagogue. What was the synagogue? It had to have a gathering of at least 10 men. And in that synagogue, they would meet and they would, instead of sacrifice morning and night, weekly, monthly, they would read and understand the law. And they'd pour themselves into it. And when the temple was rebuilt, the synagogue carried on. It didn't end. It was happened every seventh day of the week. And it's still happening today, isn't it? And look at a regular service on the seventh day of the week in the synagogue. They would always start with the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then they would say other things of praise, praising him. Blessed be our God. Then they would pray. There were ritual prayers, and then there would be a time for silent prayer. Then they would read scripture publicly. Then they would have a sermon on the scripture. 586 BC, closed by a blessing. Does that sound sort of familiar? <laughs> it's not a modern day idea, let's do church, let's do gathering. It is God ordained. It's God's idea. Jesus and the disciples went to synagogue. Paul went to synagogue. Everywhere he went, the first place he went for place of worship was the synagogue. The only reason he left was because he was kicked out. This is something God ordained. I have the deep, deep privilege of being in gatherings all of my life. I can really say that all of my life. As a little girl, my mom was a member of the Anglican, Anglican congregation. And in that Anglican congregation, I was um, christened. I was confirmed. So for 59 years, I have had the privilege, and I say that with deep sincerity, of being in church, in a gathering. Have I always wanted to be there? No. No, because I'm busy, you know. I have other stuff, you know. You've heard my testimony about Sean playing soccer on Sundays, but we didn't, he didn't play in the team. Why? Because we go to church. During my MBA, I was so stressed. Said to my husband, I need to relax on a Sunday. I don't need to see people. Uh-uh, we're going to church. So I can speak from a privileged place. Maybe you've only just become a Christian. You haven't had that privilege, but don't lose out now. Maybe you've become slack, 
Life's too busy, you know. May you be convicted by the Holy Spirit. So I asked myself, what are the benefits? Why go to church? We shouldn't even have to ask this. God says do it. God says do it. But it's good to know some of the benefits, and there are many, but I've highlighted a few for myself and for you to share. Family time. It actually came up in the meeting this morning, didn't it, in our worship. Family time. I think it was Dwan said we're brothers and sisters. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We are family. That's right. We had to greet each other because we were family. You ever notice how in advertising, I think one of them ones, Flora, where they always show a happy family. You notice that? A lot of advertising is a happy little family, and then they advertise whatever they're whatevering. Flora will campaign for that little one. <laughs> Why? Because family is appealing. Why? Because we are destined to be part of the eternal family of God. There's a deep need in us for it. So our families represent the eternal family. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're adopted into the family of God when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. Every family has struggles. No, you all get on absolutely fine with every member of your family. No one irritates you. No one, oh, you just don't want to see them. No one does that, hey? Why? Because when we get close to people, the masks come down. The real us is exposed. Oh. With our sins, with our weaknesses, and it's uncomfortable, but it's good. It is very, very, very good. Our fleshly, the world says, the, way, the worldly way is, well, you irritate me now, we're getting divorced. I don't like you. You don't satisfy my needs. Church is not satisfying my needs. No one said hello to me when I walked in this morning. No one ever phoned me during the week. It was my birthday and no one phoned me. I haven't been for six weeks, but they should know it's my birthday this week. <sighs> Our fleshly, natural way is, uh-oh, you're getting to know me better. I'm stepping away. This church doesn't suit my needs. Why? Because this church is making me feel uncomfortable. That is good. Why? Look inside myself. What needs changing in me? What needs changing in me? Getting into home groups. Why? Because I expose myself. What needs changing in me? Not, oh, I'm moving home group this bunch. I need a different bunch. Maybe God's got you in that bunch so that he can work on your heart. He can change you to be much, much more than you are. Ephesians 2.22 says, In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for the God by the Spirit. We are a dwelling place for God. He's coming for a pure bride. How does he purify us? In community, together. 
In family, we learn to love. God loves us, people love us, and we learn to love. I'm not much of a huggy person, but I'm learning to hug more and more and more. <laughs> it's a good thing, letting people into my personal space. We learn to love. We learn when the person's sick or just had a baby. We learn that it's good to give a meal, that it's good to show that our love, our compassion is in action, not just in word and deed. And then it's not just for us, I hope, because the ultimate reason for this gathering is not so I get so nicely loved and beautiful character just so that I can stand before the living God. No, so that I can bless, yes and no, that I can bless my community out there. That neighbor who never says hello. Do we, are we getting into their space? Are we, as Jesus said, they shall know you are my disciples by your love. Where do we learn to love? Yeah, in community. That's why we get together. I remember when we came to Joburg a long time ago, Terry's sister said to us, oh, Joburg, tough place, tough place to make friends, tough place to find community. We joined a church the first week we came. We found, we're still here. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> 1988, we're still here. <laughs> we found community. I can remember her saying, yeah, you've got a lot of friends. We found community. God is good. And we appreciate each other's different talents. So I'm talking family. I, I teach, you make coffee, you greet at the door, you do those quiet little things behind the scenes that nobody ever notices, you make the phone calls. We share each other's talents. But if you're not here, I'm missing out and you're missing out. We are family. So good, hey? Such an incredible benefit. So punting what Duan just spoke about, we're actually finishing everyday questions on this Saturday, the first. You can still come because incredible thing about your destiny. But in this, what it's been, and maybe we'll do it again because I'll really whet your appetite, is this half an hour of a, of a talk by an international speaker. And then we spend the next two and a half hours working through a manual answering very difficult questions. Very difficult question. How can God be a God of justice and love? What gives me dignity? Why is there suffering? Are those questions that you're being asked? We practice because we're coming together in community. We practice those questions so that I have an answer. I heard Eusebius on, Louis, what day was it? Thursday. I only heard a bit of it doesn't matter. But they were talking about, is the Bible unfair to gaze? And Eusebius posed a question to the Christian guy, and he couldn't answer it. He kept, on he kept on reflecting. I wanted to slap him. He asked the question, how can a God of love allow two consenting males to be in relationship? How can a God of love? How would you answer that? Because we need to be able to answer those questions with sincerity, with love, and, and just demonstrate our God of love in such an incredible way. If you can't answer that question, 
You better attend Everyday Questions next time. Then we advertised pastoral approaches, the church and same-sex attraction on the coming couple of weeks away, 7th and 8th. Who needs to go? You. I'm sorry if I say it, but you need to go. Why? We live in a world that is gender confused. If you don't know anyone who's gender confused, you do not existing with respect. Do you live in a hole? <laughs> and they are everyone. We all need love. We need to be able to speak to that person with deep love. Hear me. Not, oh, no, no, I don't need to know you. You're a sin. Ooh, 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 ooh. No, are we embracing? Are we loving? Are we caring? Are we helping them to find this God of intense love? So who needs to go to this? We all do. Why? Because it gives clues on how to love people, how to answer the hard questions. Hope you're going. Second benefit, hearing the voice of God. Oh, we like that's a commonly asked question. What does God say? Number one source is the Bible, the revealed will of God. But you know what? We want to short circuit that, don't we? Oh, do I really have to read the Bible? Can't I just ask Him and He'll tell me? We need to read it in the Word. But we also find Get advice on the will of God in our community. In Acts, you read throughout Acts, there are many, many examples where it says about them getting together, hearing the Holy Spirit, and together giving advice. I'll just give you the one. In Acts chapter 15, verse 28, it's where the guys have come together in Jerusalem, to decide what do we do with these Gentiles who are becoming Christians? What do they have to do? Do they have to get circumcised? Remember that? We preached on that quite a while ago. And in verse 28, it said, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to, pr- to, for, to lay on the hands on you no greater burden than these requirements. You can go and read in there what they were. But essentially, what is happening? God speaks through us. He spoke this morning, didn't he? He spoke in worship. He spoke at the prayer meeting. He didn't actually stand up there and say, it is I, the Lord, and you will. He didn't. How did he speak to us? Through worship, through each other. He started off so triumphantly, didn't he? I am marching forward. Are you with me? Victorious, Jesus, name above all names. And then he started a little bit of, well, come on, what does that mean practically for you? Are you broken? If we're not gathering in this meeting, we're missing out. And he speaks individually through people. But if you're not here, how is he going to speak through you? And maybe on that Sunday, there was someone special that he needed you to speak to. Will he will use someone else? Yes, but who misses out? Not God, not God's way, but we miss out. We miss out in being part of who, what God is doing on this earth. The gathering together. To speak to someone, there has to be a trust relationship. 
If we have someone come into the church and we're not too, we don't know them, we're not going to let them share a word. Why? Because we don't know them. There has to be trust. Trust takes time. Trust takes doing this over and over and over. I went to India in 1988. I went to India in 19, sorry, 1998. I went to India in 2008, and it's 2018. So at the beginning of this year, I thought I should go to India, 10-year anniversary. But why do I want to go to India? No, I don't want to go to India. It's too much PT. It's dirty, packed with people. Why spend money on that? Someone who I trust, two people actually, said to me, you must go to India. Thank God I booked the ticket in June because I'm going in three weeks' time, and if I was going to book now, I wouldn't book. <laughs> because people spoke to me, and I trusted them. People in this community. And finally, worship and celebration. Jesus said to the woman at the well, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And today, I, just, it was just, I thought, oh God, you are just demonstrating how glorious is your worship. Didn't he? He like gave a practical illustration. This is how glorious worship is. I like to think of it, I've heard it, I can't remember where I heard it, maybe I've said it before, but it's like an orchestra. You know, if you play a clarinet on, this, on its own, it sounds pretty cool. You play a little triangle on its own, it sounds pretty cool. I don't know about the violin on its own, but anyway. <laughs> They're all beautiful on their own. And I hope, I pray, we're all worshiping on our own. But what happens when the orchestra comes together? And you bring your triangle. You bring your trombone. What happens? It is glorious. So if you leave your instrument, you're not here, you leave, you're not here, that, that, that the orchestra's not, something's missing. You're missing. We cannot neglect the gathering together. I love this quote. It's some guy called Thomas Kelly, and he speaks on corporate worship. And this is what we saw today. A quickening presence pervades us breaking down some part of the special privacy and isolation of our individual lives and blending our spirits with a super individual life and power. An objective, dynamic presence enfolds us all, nourishes our souls, speaks glad, unutterable comfort with us and quickens us in depths that had before been slumbering. Wow! Quickly, worship team, let's do this. <sighs> hey, we miss out if we don't gather together. And I'm sorry, it's not the same you bellowing forth in the car with your CD. There's only one instrument. <laughs> And we celebrate. We celebrate. You know, we, also, we share... Every time, I mean, I spoke to one person there who came in with a deep hurt, a deep concern. 
Others came in, they've got an incredible joy. But we share and we celebrate. Why? So that we can grow together to become the household of the presence of God by the Holy Spirit. Don't you want that? I do. I do. Community softens us. Community keeps us teachable, soft in the heart. Incredibly difficult at times. Iron sharpens iron. Ah, oh, you're bringing that out of me. Now we can sit here today and we can feel condemned. There is no condemnation in Christ. But what the church has tended to do is not only have we thrown out condemnation, we've thrown out conviction. Is it good to be convicted? Yes, it is. And conviction takes pain. Conviction takes a sober look at myself and say, God, that's not good in my life. Help me, Holy Spirit, that I may change. Thank you for the people that you place in my gathering who will press those buttons and challenge me to be more patient, challenge me to be more tolerant, challenge me to be less task-orientated. I'm giving you a little glimpse of mine. Do we prioritize the gathering that God has ordained? Even when it is so, so hard. I want to give this final, this was a, another tweet. It's good to be on Twitter, hey? There's lots of cool stuff. Ray Ortland. I need to go to church today. I have an ache inside for the presence of God, the radiance of the saints, the authority of the gospel. I don't go to church out of inertia or custom. I go because I need God. You, song, prayer, gospel, freedom from self, can't wait. Oh, God, help us. There was a word about broke being in the, in the prayer meeting and Tabitha brought about being broken and needing healing. This is where it happens. That's why we have ministry afterwards. I was speaking to someone on Tuesday night, and they said they were just crying and crying and crying. I said, because you've come into the gathering where it's a safe place. It's safe to cry. It's safe to be real. Because there are people who want to see you grow in Christ. So let's worship. Let's worship.